This is the Huddle.com LifeCast. We're talking to inspired and insightful people who have faced life's greatest challenges and broken through. Welcome, everyone, to the Huddle.com Livecast. I'm your host, Mark Stolo. I'm joined today by Anthony Francis Lombardi. Anthony is a gender identity and sexual orientation pro and educator, and he's also among the Huddle pros in our community providing support to our members around gender identity and sexual orientation. Anthony, welcome to the Huddle Livecast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Cool. Um, I love this topic. It's actually also very topical because there's a lot of conversation right now um, specifically around race and identity and and around systemic exclusion. Obviously, the conversation has been centering, rightfully so, around this question of race. Today, we're not going to be talking about race specifically, but we're going to be talking about another area that... um, is often taken up in in the conversation around exclusion and groups that are often marginalized. And specifically, we're talking about people who fall along a gender spectrum, who don't fit into what are considered some of the conventional norms of gender identity. Um, So we're not going to get so much into the political side of things. But, uh, you know, there are about (laughs) Anthony's not sure. I'm ready to go. No, we will. I mean, not... Just, you know, I, I reference BLM because it's relevant to the conversation around exclusion. And we're going to talk about things like social justice today. Uh, but just for the sake of our listeners, that it's not specifically a conversation today around BLM, but it's very relevant. And a lot of the, I think, the themes and the messages and the ideas that we're going to be addressing today have applications and, and uh, meaning whenever Absolutely. we talk about people who are who feel like and who are systemically pushed to the margins in society. But what we're really like kind of the thesis for today um, is to talk about this idea of moving from this, this transformational process of moving from feeling like one is living inauthentically in their body, in their life, in their world. Again, those could be both inner forces and outer forces together that create a sense of, I don't fit in this world. Um, and then how do we support a transition? Again, looking at those inner components, looking at those outer experiences that support people in moving towards a sense of authenticity. And then what can we do collectively, I think, is also the, to your point about the political side of things, the systemic side of learning to be more accepting, more inclusive, um, more broadly aware of this idea of things existing on a spectrum and yeah. escaping some of these very binary ideas that we have sometimes in our brain of how things should be, uh, you know, these institutionalized ideas, you could even say about how things should be. So one yeah, of- I, think, I think it's important to, to talk about uh, when you want to accompany someone on their journey to acceptance, it's it's important to talk about what it means, this authenticity versus inauthenticity. So that's going to be pretty interesting, I think. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with you because there's also, I mean, we're not using it in the value judgment lens. I think that, no. you know, the, the, the temptation is to see this as a value judgment. It's not a value judgment. We're talking, no. why, don't, why don't we, for the sake of, you know, setting the stage for the conversation today, when you say living yeah. an authentic life, just, just define for people what you mean by that. So living an authentic life means living the way that you see yourself. It's, it's giving yourself the permission to be who you are, not just on the inside for yourself, but on the outside as well for everybody around you. So it's, it's really about being who you are on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that's a really brilliant definition is, is finding a sense of comfort and ease and a sense of okayness with being who yeah. you are in the world um, and being true to that. Yeah. And we don't, you know, it doesn't mean that if you're a prick, that's perfectly okay. <laughs> oh, I got to change that. <laughs> that's that's, not, what we're that's not what we're suggesting. We're not suggesting, <laughs> this is not, you know, what some would call like moral relativism. We're not suggesting that anything you think and feel is perfectly okay in the world. And as long as no. it feels true to you, it's true. That's not what we're suggesting. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're talking about an authentic experience of being connected to your values and grounded in right. something that allows you to be in the world comfortably, be with others comfortably. Um, yeah. With respect to your gender identity and your sexual orientation and expression of your gender. Right. So what are the, you know, when we talk about the feeling of being, feeling inauthentic, what are the, what are the bigger trappings that, that people either fall into because of, you know, ideas they have or attitudes that exist, societal attitudes? Try to paint a picture for me of what you commonly see when you're dealing with people around gender that you see leads them to that inauthentic place. Yeah. So I think it's important that we observe and that we try to understand what it is inside of us and outside of us, what it is that makes us live inauthentically. So there's a paradigm of gender and sexuality that's built around, around a very binary framework. So you're either born a man or a woman. You're a, you're, you're a man attracted to a woman or a woman attracted to a man. A man expresses masculinity and a woman expresses femininity. Uh, a person on the outside is exactly what you see on the inside. And in reality, it's, it's not always the case. So you're not either born a man or a woman. Uh, if we take a look at intersex persons, well, they're born with a varying degrees, a mix of both female and male genitalia. Uh, so we're not only attracted to the opposite sex. In reality, there are different levels of attraction that we have for the same and the opposite sex. So we have straight people, gay people, bisexual people, pansexual people, or asexual people. Um, a, a man doesn't express masculinity in a typical way, or a woman doesn't express solely femininity. So we, we manifest our masculinity and our femininity in different ways, but we express both. And some want to be seen as neither expressing femininity or masculinity mm -hmm. because they don't feel that those titles belong to them. 
And most importantly, I think we have to realize that a person doesn't see themselves on the inside necessarily the way that you see them on the outside. In reality, many individuals don't identify with the gender that they're assigned at birth. And they identify with the gender, with, with gender in a variety of ways. And this is a very personal thing. It cannot be easily pinned down by a simple binary expression of gender. Yeah, and I think it's worth, it, although it's a conversation that we're having in, in kind of a modern world, this is something that has, you know, existed since humans have existed. I mean, there's plenty of evidence historically that gender expression through re religion, through culture, has been very, very um, um, uh, broad and uh, multifaceted Absolutely. and complex. And obviously, at some point in our history, we started codifying genders. We started institutionalizing genders. And, and you could argue yes. that you know religion played a role there and formation of certain cultures and certain institutions played a role there. And then gender became institutionalized. Like when you get a form from the government and it has two boxes, you know, are you male Just or female? We're, we're institutionalizing gender roles. Now, for some yeah. people, they take that for granted, right? It's just, well, you know, they just put that framework into their minds. And so when we talk about something outside of those boxes, they're like, well, that's just outside of the box. That's just on the margins. Well, no, actually, yeah. you just got used to the boxes. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, maybe you identify with those binaries and that's that's totally something that you have to be okay with and if you are fantastic and if you if you don't then you're forced into this world where you have to conform to these ideas even before you have a grasp on what they mean right. and the moment that we notice that we don't conform this this world of make-believe this pretend this inauthenticity just overwhelms us and it's really purely out of survival instinct, nothing more. And it's a very painful thing to do to ourselves, but to survive, you do what you have to do. Yeah, I think a box is a funny th metaphor because some people like the box because it creates a feeling of safety. Yeah. This is the paradox of the box. The mm -hmm. box is one part safety and one part confinement. Exactly. And for people who, from a gender lens, don't fit into the quote-unquote male lens or female box, yeah. um, the world feels confining. And yeah. to your point, that it creates tension to try to bend and you know fold yourself to yeah. fit into this box, and you never feels quite right. Yeah, and for some people, they're they're you know I don't want to say completely okay living in this box, but. This is why we have different people trying to break out of this box at different times in their life. So for some people, it happens early. For some people, it happens very late in their life. Um, but no matter what, no matter you know, when you try to break out, the truth remains that this box is very confining. And it's in this world of pretend, it's exhausting to have to keep up with what we project and the fact that it's always at odds with who we really are, our true authentic self. And eventually we want, we, we, 
we end up hating ourselves and judging ourselves very severely. And the more that we hate ourselves, the further back we push this authentic self. And the less, the less chance we have of breaking through and bringing it to the forefront. I th when you were talking, I was thinking about the expression coming out of the closet. That's right, yeah. And it's an interesting metaphor when you talk about yeah. it in the context of the box. And it it's raises... It's a little more stylish box, though. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's a make-your-own-Ikea closet. Yeah. No, it's, it's, <laughs> what's interesting is you wonder sometimes who's in the closet. You know, who's really in the closet? Who's living in, in, who's living in the confined space? Because... You know, I could argue that the person living in the closet is the person who has a very, very narrow and limited view of different forms of gender expression. That's a closet. You know, that is a very closed, dark space. And it's it's interesting. Even the expression coming out of the closet implies that someone's in the clear, in the opening, and someone else has to come into that opening, right? That, but that's, that's how this closet was built. This right. closet was built to make someone believe that they have to hide away their or store their true self mm -hmm. because only us out in the clear are really the ones who know how to be. So this, that's how this closet was created to make people feel. Yeah. I think the, the, the subtle truth is, is that until everyone's out of the closet, we're all in the closet. That's exactly right. Right. And I think this is to, to, again, not to drift too far, but I, in some measure, the message of BLM. If we're yeah. living under uh, persecution, we're all, in essence, at some level, living an inauthentic experience. If Until there's some measure of equal care, equal consideration, all of us have to understand that there's something fundamentally broken in the system, and you're not distinct from that system. You are a part, there is only a system that we're all operating under. So, uh, and that's not to suggest there's not some people who are, you know, um, fueling the anger and the and the inequality of the system because there are some people who are deliberately doing that. But this, it's an interesting, complex paradox. This idea of the closet and the box and who's in it and who's outside of it, and and as long as there's an insider and an outsider, that is what breeds the tension. Yeah. And this is where I think you talk about this transition to an authentic life, moving towards more of a spectrum's view of yeah. gender and how we perform different things in our lives and possibly at different times in our lives. Yeah. You know? So when we talk about an authentic life, we're talking, of course, about a life that's free. So it's, it's coming to a point where you reject the idea that you have to pretend to be someone in order to be accepted and celebrated, not tolerated, um, but accepted and celebrated. Uh, it means that you're self-aware, you, you know yourself, uh, you're secure in your self-concept. And I, I've always said that self-awareness is the greatest gift that we can give ourselves because there's a lot of strength that comes from living authentically. And there's no greater feeling than that, in my opinion. Yeah, especially I would add to that also I mean, you don't, in principle, you don't need the permission to live authentically, right? I mean, that, that this is, again, another tension in the world of authenticity is, of course, we want to feel supported. 
We want to feel nurtured. We want to feel loved. We want to be accepted. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those important contingencies to feeling okay in the world. It's right up there in Maslow's pyramid. Yeah. You have to belong. You have to feel like you're belonging. Absolutely. And included. Yeah. But I agree with you that there's a very clear interplay. I don't know who the first mover is, and I don't honestly know if it totally matters, but there's this clear interplay between the self-acceptance that you cultivate and then also being able to find that community and that space where you also feel that sense of belonging. Um, but I think Absolutely. it would be very, very difficult to feel out of tune and feel not at home in your own being and and still be able to be safe in the world. And I hear this all the time from people, particularly on Huddle, who talk about being amongst friends, amongst friends, people they call friends, and still feeling out of touch with their experience yeah. and, and alone. Because it's difficult to feel a true connection with someone when you don't feel a connection with yourself because you're not offering that person your true self. You're offering them this idea that you've constructed right. because you think it might be more acceptable to them. So it's kind of, you're not offering the truth, essentially. Yeah, I think you, I, you, I guess you develop a kind of like imposter syndrome, right? And this... You know, I love the expression an eye for an eye. I think it's often taken out of context as a statement of revenge. But what it is is the permission for to allow each other to see each other, you know, that when you don't allow someone to yeah. see you, you can't see them either. Um, and that's a the, the one the one beauty of friendship, of togetherness, of closeness, of relationships, intimate or otherwise, is that we allow each other the gift of seeing each other. Yeah. Yeah, and that brings the, the relationship no matter, and I mean, I, I use the word uh, relationship to mean any kind of connection that you build with someone, whether it's a friendly relationship, whether it's a, a family relationship that you have, or a loving relationship with your partner, there's, there's a whole other level of being when you're authentic, both of you, and it's, it's, uh, there's nothing like it. What what happens as you start making the shift towards feeling good about, okay with, comfortable in how you express your sexual orientation, your gender in the world? What what are some of the things that you notice in people that, you know, as they start connecting to that feeling of being authentically themselves? Yeah, so when you're living an authentic life, you are more generous with yourself and with other people. Um, you have more emotional availability to others around you. Uh, you're more there. You're more in tune with this relationship that exists between you and the world around you. Uh, you're also more empathetic. You have a higher degree of emotional intelligence, I think, as well. You have more of a positive general outlook on life. And you're resilient. You're much more resilient. Yeah, I think on the resilience fronts, just not having to pretend. I mean, pretending comes with all kinds of energy, right? Like there's a lot of, ex you're exporting a lot of energy when you're pretending. Like oh. It's its own manufacturing process, right? Like it's, I, I analogized it to being in a world of COVID. Now when you go out into the world, the little things that you took for granted are difficult. You, you're hyper-conscious now of everything. Now, as you become conscious of everything, your brain is in activation mode. 
I have to think about this, I have to think about that, things I took for granted I now have to focus on. All of that is directing energy. I can only imagine how absolutely exhausting it must be emotionally and mentally <clears throat> to be in the world and to be living under a constant veil of, of make-believe. You know? Yeah, who, because who do I need it's to really from... Exactly. Who did I tell this person I was? Right. And who did I tell that person I was? Right. We do this in our personal lives. We do this in our family. We do this at work. And we show different, I mean, even in an authentic life, um, there's an extent to which we show our true self depending on the environment we're in. So I, I'm still myself, but I'm not the same kind of myself at work as I am with my family at home, right? right? So I'm still myself, but I, I show it differently. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's, it's hard to keep track when you're not being authentic and when you're pretending you know, of, of who you show to whom. I think you're also probably living with a certain amount of fear and anxiety that something could happen in your immediate surrounding that could trigger you or that you might be forced to confront. Like I could think of the worst case where you're with a group of people and they're making inappropriate jokes about people of a certain gender orientation or sexual orientation. And you see yourself in those stories they're telling, and but you fear saying something. I mean, as just one example, probably among many of the constant internal struggle. It it happens. And even if you, you know, quote unquote, slip up or then you're just having to cover up and it's just, it gets harder and harder. Mm -hmm. I want to, and I, I, what I want, I want to send an important message though, that even when you're, you're living an authentic life, it doesn't mean that everything just magically becomes easier. Mm-hmm. you know the challenges don't end so they continue to exist but we face them differently in the sense that we don't let them change us back into who we are pretending to be so if we take somebody coming out of, of the closet for example you're 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 walking into a new life and it's so vivid that it's almost literal how you're taking a walk into being a completely different person and that doesn't mean that things are going to be easy you know, the, the difficulties are still going to be there, but your relationship to them will change. The way that you react to them will change. So it just becomes that you stop, defi- you stop, they, they stop defining your place in the world. Mm-hmm. And we begin to occupy our place in the world with much more confidence. I like that. I, that's a powerful statement. This, <laughs> there's, yeah. It's, it would be almost impossible to live an authentic life allowing your life to be defined by others in that way, um, particularly when the definition is very narrow. It basically yeah. forces you into a narrow world, right? Which again, you know, you look at systemic racism, other forms of marginalization, the things that institutions or people do to narrow the definition of people. You can only do this. You are limited by why. You are likely to do this. The All of these assumptions and... Um, you know, attitudes that exist about whether it's based on someone's color or gender orientation or sexual orientation or otherwise um, to just completely cram them into, well, this is likely what you're going to do or this is how you should be. Um, I wonder if, if you'd be open to sharing a bit about, I know it's probably its own life cast, but a bit about your own transition. Like, what was a turning point for you in your life 
were you did you go from a place of feeling discomforted and feeling less supported to one of feeling comforted or did you grow up in a very you know safe environment i um i only discovered how safe my environment was once i stepped into it and began to see people the people around me and how receptive they are to the real me mm-hmm. um, because before that i lived in constant fear of being discovered uh, i as i'm a gay man as a gay man i have you know i had a girlfriend we we made plans to be together a long time to get married have kids and then there was this you know I, there, it, at the back of my mind, I always knew, I guess, to some level, who I was. So it wasn't even a, a, a problem of self-awareness. It was the, the inauthentic life that I chose to live was just so powerful, powerful enough to convince myself that this is how it was going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And then I, I met someone who changed my perception of how important it was to be your true self. And it was enough to convince me to come out of the closet. Did it feel like they gave you permission was, and I, and I, again, I let's use that. We're using that word metaphorically. Obviously no one gave you permission slip and said, Anthony, it's okay for you now to be yourself. (laughs) Granted, because that sounds like a power struggle, but a permissiveness in the sense of openness. Yeah, that's important that you said that. It's 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 really something that you grant to yourself. Nobody gives it to you. Right. So yeah, it, it would be a power struggle seen that way. Right. But no, it, it was it was the permission manifested itself in my brain, probably like many others who are going through similar journeys, uh, as a reflection that had already been taking place, but was gaining in traction where I got to this point where I said, it's enough. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I don't care what the consequences are. If I have to lose relationships that I built over the years or that I was born into, but it has to happen because the cost is way too high. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's like those economic principle of opportunity costs. They, the choice to choose one path, which feels like it cuts you off from another path. It does. It sounds like oftentimes for people, it's a confrontate who are not being accepted for, or they don't have the support for who they are. They're, they're, they're afraid and they're reasonably afraid, meaning they're surrounded by people who they, they have reasonable belief will not support them in living their authentic self and how they express their gender identity and their sexual orientation it feels like they're confronted with the decision to either be loved for what they're not or being who they are and possibly feeling unloved. That's exactly it. You that nailed it. It's like a horrible, horrible set of options. Like I'm like, I'll take C. What's C? <laughs> there's, there's no option C. We need like someone to start a new paradigm called option C. Like, I'll get right on that. Yeah. <laughs> Someone out there started an organization called Option C because those two options That's, sound terrible. They are. And it's it's a 
it's very difficult to give yourself that permission. I mean, that permission is essential, but it's not easily achieved. And I mean, we talked a lot about what happens in here and in here, but I think that we should understand that part of that journey is what happens out there. Mm -hmm. You know, outside these four walls, what is it that I have to deal with that is going to affect the approach that I take in my personal growth journey, right? So it's, you know, your, your ability to give yourself permission is partly, not entirely and not just a little bit, but it is partly dependent to varying degrees for different people, depending on what kind of society they live in, on external factors. So current political and social uh, climates surrounding orientation, gender, expression, inherently determines one's level of comfort with authenticity. And there's an important equation. Uh, you know, self, the, the self-awareness, the authentic self that you know yourself to be, plus the safe outside world that we create together is what gives you the permission to be authentic. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not just a lonely ride to the finish line. It's very much dependent on a strong support system that is really very much determinative, determinative to the success of your personal growth journey. And that's with regards to orientation, gender identity, whatever growth you're trying to achieve is very much dependent on, on the kind of system that you have that gives you support. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very baked into the DNA of Huddle, this idea of togetherness as a catalyst for openness and mm -hmm. um, safe expression and learning with and through others. Yeah. Um, this is yeah. why... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, this is this is why the conversation, even in, in the BLM movement, of systemic racism is critically important because what we're talking about at some level there is what collective systems to create to either include or exclude people. So yeah. this is, we have to have a conversation about what the broader social fabric looks like because yeah. those can keep people on the margins or they can be created to be incredibly inclusive. Yeah, obviously and I mean, th there's a plug coming. Uh, this is why I love Huddle so much because- Plug time. That's right. What's that up? The reason I, I love um, Huddle so much is that not everybody has the privilege of having friends that they can trust uh, or family members that are going to be open to receiving their true selves or not everybody is, is comfortable with, you know, seeking professional help. Uh, but what Huddle offers is partly because of the anonymity to a certain level, um, it offers an option that would otherwise not be available to a person where they could go find someone they don't know, which is often a lot easier because it's, you, we know that if you go on this platform, you will not be judged. And, and, and I, can, I can seek that help mm -hmm. that I need. So there's my support system. Yeah, it's it's so important that you know you talk about non-judgment. Um, sometimes people ask me how Huddle is different than other environments. Well, 
you know, we work incredibly hard at making sure that we've created a space that's safe and non-judgmental and open and progressive and forward-thinking, um, really with the fundamental idea of bringing out the best in everyone. I mean, the fundamental objective is to allow people to live their authentic selves. And it's and that is the best of you. There really is. Yeah. And it's so painful. to Honestly, it's just your heart breaks every time you read someone who is posted who says, I just don't feel like anyone accepts me in the world and no one gets me and I'm afraid to talk to my parents and I can't tell my friends. And you think that's such a big burden to carry around. There's like life is tough enough just by virtue of being in a human body and dealing with all the typical suffering we deal with to have to carry this extra burden of, um, of feeling like, you know, I can't be who I want to be with others. That's, that's an awful, it is. awful it's, thing. It's yeah. And it's important. It's important that you're, that you're true to yourself and that you're not, you know, in a sense projecting a lie or a fabricated version of yourself. Uh, and, and why this support system is so important is, is that the more, and this is true for a lot of things in our lives, is that the more that we talk about our experiences, the closer we come to understanding who we are. So oftentimes what I see is that, you know, I talk to someone who begins with this vague idea of who they see themselves as. And what it turns into, and this is the beauty of this, this personal journey, is that the, the farther they go and the more that we exchange about how they feel, what they go through, their, their life experience, they get clarity. So who they are becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And the more that we understand who we are, the closer we get to getting the strength necessary to grant this permission to be authentic, finally. Yeah. What a, that's a beautiful, that sounds like a beautiful journey. It is. I hope- and I, I, I went through it myself, but I consider myself so very, very lucky to have the trust of people to accompany them through that journey because it really is, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. Yeah. And even if you're not in the gender space on Huddle, the one thing that the vast majority of them ever share in common is that they're on some kind of growth journey. Look, everyone's percolating in a different vibration. Some people are feel super stuck. Some people are feeling very released. That's the nice thing about having community is that you get the benefit of people at different points on the path. But but all in common, everyone is on some intentional growth experience. More loss, less loss, more in the dark. It, it doesn't matter. The intention is what matters. The openness to a growth experience is what matters. Anthony... Yeah. Uh, can't thank you enough. One for sharing your experience, uh, which to your point is incredible. The storytelling is so incredibly important to, to create that space for people to grant themselves the permission to feel space in their lives. Um, Anthony's available in, in, in a few ways on huddle. He's available to support members who are sharing inside of the community so members who come in and are socially sharing and want to hear a, a, a variety of different perspectives. And Anthony is one of those really grounding and uh, steadfast and strong perspectives. Anthony is also available for one-to-one time. So if you need 
someone to talk to. Anthony's got a depth of experience. If you're struggling around gender identity or sexual orientation and you, you feel like you need a, a guide, a mentor, a uh, support, Anthony is available for one-to-one time. And he's also now available as a leader and a facilitator for group sessions, which are groups that take place at specific times during the month that deal with a range of topics. Uh, this week, uh, Anthony's hosting a group on discovering more about you, who you are through a gender identity lens, and I'm sure there'll be more groups to come in the future. Anthony, thank you for being with us. You're very welcome. If there's one thing that I can just add, please. Of course. Uh, so we're talking about this uh, traditional framework, and we know that it has to change. And if there's one takeaway that I hope that the listeners can get is that we we have to insist on being and living our authentic selves because it is the only way that this paradigm shift is going to happen from this make-believe world to a world that we collectively contribute to creating toward an actual reflection of the diversity that is made up within the human race. It's the only way. An important message at a time where we're talking about diversity and inclusion and mutual understanding and empathy. So thank you for that. You can connect with um, Anthony on Huddle. His handle is at Anthony Francis. For those that are new to Huddle, Huddle is a place to meet amazing people who are sharing wisdom, finding support, and becoming the best versions of themselves. This has been the Huddle.com Lifecast. I want to thank you for tuning in and thank you for turning on to your lives.